Good morning. Hi. Um, it's Yud Tes Teves, um, Parak Yud Gimel, Part 2, Chapter 13, Part 2 out of 3. So, something interesting happened yesterday. <laughs> uh, teach with examples. <laughs> Very, um, what's the word? Like, whatever. Anyways, um, I... This whole chapter, basically, the altar was being very repetitive, and basically going, sorry, basically going like again and again and again, talking about how a Bainani should know that even if he thinks that he has gotten to a point where he's healed himself, meaning that he's gotten to a point where the Ra inside of him, the animal soul, the voice of fragmentation, of fear, of Taivas olam haza, quote unquote, um, of just like the desire for what things look like instead of what things actually are. Even if he thinks that he's kind of gotten rid of that, Baltimore just keeps telling us again and again and again, don't think that it's actually gone. If you're abandoning, it means that it's still there. It may have, it may be dormant, but it's still there. And I and I was thinking for the past like few days of just this constant. The Baltimore just keeps telling us, and he's gonna keep telling us for a long time more. And, I was just thinking to myself, like, like I didn't understand it. I was like, what, why? Why is this so important for you to tell us so many times? Like, okay, so tell us once. Like, he, he keeps telling us in all the different contexts of, if you're, in, if you're somebody who, today we're going to talk about, like, Rabba, how Rabba could have thought he was a Bainani because a Bainani by nature is somebody who has, is always living in that state of conscious choice, is always living in the state of self-leadership. But he still has the other side to him. He still has it dormant. So Rabba could have thought he was a Bainani because maybe it's just dormant. Even though Rabba was obviously a Tzaddik, Rabba said, just like a Bainani expresses himself like I express myself, but a Bainani still has it dormant, maybe I also have it dormant. So that's what Rabba thought. But the concept that the Alderbeck keeps telling us is that if you're a Bainani, if you're somebody that's striving to be a Bainani, you're never going to get rid of this other part, the other parts of you. They're never going to fully go away. And I just keep thinking, like, why is Alderbeck, why is it so important for us to know? If someone's striving to be a baby, like, they should be, they should be maybe striving to be, like, a father, because then, you know, like, if you hit where the moon, you land amongst the stars, and, like, if, so, like, if you strive more higher, then, you know, you'll still reach maybe, like, a baby, but if you just strive for a baby, then you bring that on. For sure. And that's literally why we have to, like, the thing at the beginning is, like, Mashbi Emesek Tehid Sadiq to strive to be a tzaddik. But the concept of that is that you have to be strive to be a tzaddik in your thought, speech, and action. But think of yourself, kirasha, meaning don't actually think you're ever going to get to a point where your internal experience is of a tzaddik. You're not even trying to get there, the Alter Rebbe is saying. That's not even the goal. It, it's not even in your radar. It's not in your radar. thinking that, I feel like it's your ego. And that's, you know... Yeah. Okay, well, that's like the, literally what Alter was going to tell oh, us. Yeah, so that's like, it. Be realistic, maybe. Okay, so it's be realistic, it's your ego. But last night, basically, something happened that I was... I reached out to my therapist because there was this thought, basically, whatever, there was this thing that was going on in my life that I was, like, dealing with for a long time, and then I thought, like, I had finished dealing with it. Like, I came to a point where, like, I felt such freedom and such, like, oh, my gosh. Like, I was, like, and for a while. It lasted for a while. But then suddenly it came, something triggered it, whatever, and it came back. So I reached out to her. And 
I heard myself what I was saying to her and I didn't even realize until like three quarters into like the hour that I spent with her but like my voice of telling her my, my I wasn't saying what do I do about this thought that keeps coming back I was saying I feel like such a piece of garbage because why am I still struggling with this I thought I was done exactly and the judgment wasn't even on the specific thing it was on me that I was still struggling with it that's what was causing me pain the pain wasn't coming from the thing that was causing me pain the pain was coming from me thinking that this is not supposed to be causing me pain anymore it was wild and then we never really talked about it her and then I was like oh my gosh this is the answer to my question like this is why the altar of it is so telling us this like stop thinking that you're meant to figure it all out and it's meant to be figured out forever that's not the way Hashem is creating you to be like I and I just keep thinking of like the example of like a mother with her kids you know like if a mother is at home and her kids she has like six kids and they all have completely unique different needs and they're all just like crying about different things and they're all having their own experiences the mother it's, it's a hard thing to deal with right but the worst thing that can happen in that moment, the worst thing for the children and for the mother that can happen in that moment is if the mother starts believing, and it happens all the time, but if mothers start believing, the fact that my children are suffering right now, are in pain right now, are confused, are sad, are tired, or angry, or whatever they are, is because there's something wrong with me. It's my fault that my children are experiencing human emotion. <laughs> I should be able to protect them from this. I should be able to make sure my children live always, that they're always happy and that they're never sad. When a mother starts to think that it's in her control to make sure that her children never feel difficult emotions, it creates havoc because the mother can't actually do that. That's not actually the mother's job. The mother's job is to give her children the safe space to feel all their emotions and help them work through them and things like, you know what I mean? But if the mother is constantly thinking that it's my job to make sure that my children never feel pain, then she's gonna constantly get, be getting triggered because there's always gonna be something wrong with her. She's never gonna be doing things right. And it's the same thing with us. If I think that my job is to get to a point where I never feel the fight, where, I, where I've come to this point of peace where the things that used to trigger me don't trigger me anymore ever. And the cycles that I've gone through throughout my life, they, I'm done with them, I'm over them. I've reached this point where I'm suddenly healed. I'm gonna constantly be in, in, in agony. <laughs> like it's gonna be constantly in anxiety because I'm not actually seeing myself clearly. I'm not seeing reality, which is that that's not where I'm actually even meant to be. Where I'm meant to be is a state of vanity where I do have these internal experiences. I am the mother of all these children, of all, all these different parts of me, but I am the mom. I am the self. I am the leader, and I get to choose now how I approach them. And it's going to be with kindness, and it's going to be with compassion. That's what the author was going to go on to say. How we approach these inner children of ours is a big conversation. But first is knowing that you're not bad for having this experience. <laughs> you're not wrong for having this experience. The fact that you're going through these cycles of whatever it is that you're going through and that you think you finished it and then you didn't, it's not because there's something wrong with you. It's because you're a Bainani, not a Tzaddik, which is who Hashem is creating you to be. Preach. It's wild, right? So, it's so <laughs> relatable. Yeah. Literally, at the end of the session, when I, like, I suddenly realized, I just like was sitting there, like my eyes were just open and my mouth was open, and I was like, I'm open. oh, yeah. Like literally, like, I, like literally the thing itself wasn't causing me pain. Yeah. It was my anxiety that I shouldn't be dealing with this anymore. Yeah. Like, and that's what I find. With whatever triggers every person has, 
is going to keep coming up. Yeah. But it's funny because like a part of me thought like it's going to keep coming up until you deal with it. But even when you deal with it, it might it might return. Oh, and it's right. Hopefully it will mm-hmm. return. Right, but hopefully it will return in a lesser way. It's a cycle. It's a it's right. a spiral going up. We're not a spiral yeah. staying still. We're not staying. We're we're you're going to deal with it again. But now now that you deal with it again, you're going to have a deeper understanding yeah. and a deeper truth, and it's going to actually. It's almost like you can. It's a crazy way of thinking about it, but it's almost like if you really see it this way as the spiral going up, you can literally know, I'm going to get here again, but now that I'm going to be at a higher state of being, now that I've experienced myself in this deeper way than I've ever experienced before, I'm so excited. Because last time, literally, and also last time the darkness brought me to a deeper state of light, this next darkness will also. That's the state of abandonment. It's almost like being excited about whatever voice is going to come up next because I get to work through this. I get to, you know? Yeah. It is hard. It's very hard. It's very hard. (laughs) But at least we don't have to feel pain about the fact that we're experiencing it. Because it's hard enough to experience it. It's it's hard enough to just experience it. Like, it's literally to hold all these voices at the same time. It's freaking heavy. It's so heavy. You deal with it. I mean, it comes crashing back. back and you're like, yeah. it's a lot. It's literally a lot. It's, it's a lot. It's literally gullus. Literally, gullus is the experience of holding all the pain and holding all the light, seeing the light, and then the pain still being there. It's like gullus is like being in like a a, a tunnel that's full of snakes and scorpions, and like you see light over there, but you're in the middle of the snakes and like you're in the middle of the mud. That's what it. That's what it's like. That's what our experience I think is. Think you got the light? Exactly. Literally. <laughs> But that's, that's where we're meant to be right now, yeah. in this fight. That's what Dalton was saying. Like, embrace it. You're not bad for being in this fight. This is where you're meant to be. For a mother to see her children in pain, it's going to be difficult. But at least don't think it's your fault that they're in pain. At least don't add the extra pain onto you that their pain is because you're doing something wrong. It's not because you're doing something wrong. It's because this is who you're being created to be. And who your children are being created to be. The parts of us are here for a reason. You know? Okay. It's very exciting. (laughs) It makes me feel so expansive. Like I can like, like I can like breathe, you know? Like, (sighs) okay, the af me, so again, it's Tevis, middle of chapter 13. The af me, Shabbatars Hashem Chafsa Vihyega Bayama Valila Lashma. Even if somebody is in Hashem's Torah all day for its own sake, meaning he's in this state of constant, of, of selfhood. We, we talked about Torah, the study of Torah before, being a state where yourself is revealed, where your highest nefesh kiss is revealed. So even if you're in that state all day and you're constantly like in that state of being of like aware of the ultimate higher truth, and your parts aren't even talking at all. You're just like there, right? Like everything's like the way that I feel right now. My parts aren't talking right now. Like I'm just very much aware um, in, of the deeper truth of life. It's still, this is not proof at all that the Ra has left its place. It's possible that that the <coughs> essence of the Ra is still in its full strength and might in the left side of my heart. But the thought, speech, and action of the animal soul only the levushim of my animal soul are not manifesting it. How come they're not manifesting themselves? 
because of the gift Hashem gave us, which is that the mind can control my heart. Therefore, the divine soul, my godly soul, is able to rule over this, my, my inner city, my small city, which is specifically the limbs of my body, bless you. That they should become levush umerkava, a garment and literally a chariot. So my actions, the way that I respond, that my mind is controlling, my godly awareness is controlling to be manifesting the higher truth. But just because you're experiencing that, even if it's all day, it doesn't mean that the animal soul is still vibrantly pounding itself, pounding in the left side of your heart. The essence of the godly soul. It doesn't have control over the essence of the animal soul. The levushim have control over the levushim, but the essence doesn't have control over the essence. When does the godly soul have control? When does the essence of the godly soul really like have predominance? When you're in a time of inspiration. In like that moment that I had in my therapy session last night when I suddenly was like, oh, you know? And I love that the author says this. In specific times, like the time of prayer, and other things like that. And like the author was giving room for like, what is like that for you? When do you, and for me, like I can think of like, for me, like sometimes journaling really helps me get to that place. Like when I really just like let myself write everything out. Sometimes once in a while I can find it during davening. If I really like pay attention to the halalukas and like get involved in it, it's a little harder. <laughs> but the concept of there could be times where you're, you get into a state of inspiration, of flow, where your godly soul is really the one talking that what happens then? Um, it's your godly soul is over, overflowing with that light. But even then, even then in those times where the divine soul has like the upper hand. So again, now it's not only the Levushim, the actual soul has the upper hand too. It's only controlling and like kind of dominating, but not vanquishing. <laughs> like not actually transforming. Like with Yaakov and Esav, only one of them could talk at a time when they were in Rifka's stomach. It's not like they started holding hands and was like, Yaakov didn't ever say to Esav, like, now we're both going to love the Torah. It was like either Yaakov was loving the Torah and then Esav was quiet, or Esav was loving the hunting and then Yaakov was quiet. One only could talk at the time. Only one could talk at a time. Kuchizet comes, that night fell, Kuchizet come, right? When one rises, the other one falls. How does the godly soul gain control over the animal soul through Bina? That's what we've been talking about, the godly soul, that it starts with our minds. When you get into that state of meditative experience, it doesn't mean you're like holding your hands, like, hmm, it's not that kind of meditation. It's a meditation where you let your mind explore the deeper truth of the world. And actually start asking, like, anybody ever heard of Byron Katie? It's really, she was one that really, like, taught me this originally, the concept of inquiry, of when you have a thought. It was, she was the first one that taught me that not all my thoughts are the objective reality. And literally, she teaches you to begin learning that through one simple question. 
I don't think so. She has a book called Loving What Is. I highly suggest it. Loving What Is? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. It's like the place to start. If you're in, in, still in a state where like a lot of these conversations are just elusive because you're like, I don't even know the difference between when it's a part of me talking or when it's myself talking. Like, how do I know? Maybe the part of me is me. You know, maybe that is the only reality. It's a great book to start because what she starts, what she helps you learn to do is that when a thought comes up, you see it kind of like, you see it as a thought and you hold it literally with shteya daim, like the author was saying, <laughs> and you ask four questions about it. But the first question is the one that really pops the bubble of the thought where you ask it, is it true? <laughs> and it sounds simple, but it's really, when you really try to address that question honestly, you start realizing that maybe it's true and maybe it isn't true. Maybe it's not the full truth. Like maybe there's more than just the way, the, what this thought is saying right now. Like the future is not gonna be okay. Is it true? Maybe, but I can't know for sure that it's true. And then you start exploring like, well, how do you feel when you think that thought? And where does that thought lead you? And then actually try to turn around the thought to see if you can find something even more true, which is, I don't know what the future is gonna be, you know? So. Yeah, but that process of the godly soul taking ownership of the animal soul, it, it begins with Bina because it begins with that state of really understanding what, what is going on here. Um, that subjugates the left side. Aval, but even when you're having that experience of the godly soul being in control of the animal soul in all of these different ways, in the action now, and in the state of actual consciousness, it's still not completely gone. Like only in a tzaddik it's gone. Like my heart was a void, meaning that the animal soul literally became a vacuum that the godly soul was able to fill. The difference between a tzaddik and a tzaddik but both tzaddikim. Aval, but do you see why I had this question? I'm like, enough like you going on, and on. Th- on and on and on you're never going to be tzaddik you're never going to be a tzaddik you're never going to be a tzaddik like literally the author was said aval the banani this is the third time we're reading it and but it's literally what you have to hear when you're going in spi- when you're spiraling it's like this is normal this yes is like, yes you just need to hear it here you're not wrong for experiencing this yeah. you're not broken for experiencing this yeah, yeah that's so true okay aval the banani who derech much look adam sheyeshen Abenani, for example, is like somebody who's sleeping. He's able to wake up any second from his sleep. The, the ra and the animal soul, the parts, the fragmentation, the voices of separateness, of pain, of whatever it is, they're like asleep in the left side of our heart. In the time of Kriyashima and Tvila, it's asleep and we're just so aware and we're like okay yeah everything is great <laughs> I can deal with all my children I'm not afraid of them I'm not worried that I have this issue going on in my life I'm not worried about it I, I'm going to deal with it I'm not like in denial of it Abandonee's never in denial he's Ramesh never in denial he sees it all but he's like I'm not it doesn't bother me I'm, it doesn't bother me not because like oh it doesn't matter but the fact that my child's crying it's not that it doesn't affect me I want to help my child but it doesn't send me into a spiraled trigger of there must be something wrong with me and must be something wrong with my child and I need to figure it all out right now, otherwise the world is going to end. That doesn't happen because 
He's in a state of self. He's the mother. He's the good mother. The, the, he's self-led. The nefesh of the kiss is in control. But after that, after prayer, it comes right back. Um, this is why, like I said at the beginning, Rabba was able to think he was a Bainani. All day, Rabba was studying Torah. There was never a moment where he felt his parts. He was only in his self. He was always in that state of self, but he still was able to think of himself like a Bainani. Why? Because a Bainani too could technically experience himself as a state of self all his life. Technically, we're able to get to a point and we could think of this in our lives there there could be times where we experience this for an hour in that hour though you're still a bainani you're not a tzaddik even if you experience yourself in that state of self in that state of knowing that the deeper truth that your parts are just parts and that you can take care of them and that you're okay and that everyone around you is amazing and beautiful even though they may have hurt you all those things that we're saying bainanim do and feel even if you experience it for a full hour, it doesn't mean your animal soul is gone. It means it's sleeping, <laughs> right? It's a little, it's resting. The, the child, it's literally, you can look at it as if the child is saying to the mother, I trust you to take care of me, and so I don't need to be freaking out right now. I don't need to remind you that I'm scared because I know that you know how I feel. You validated me enough. You look like a competent mother. I, I feel safe with you, says the animal soul. And so... I'll stop crying. I'll go to bed. Mm-hmm. That's, literally what, that's literally what it does. But it's, it's still there. It's still a child inside of you that is not an adult, <laughs> you know? And, and there could be any moment it could stay, it could have a voice that says, you know what, actually, I need you again. I need you again. Help, help, come here. And so, but Rabba was able to think he's a, he's a bainani because he's like, maybe the voices are just sleeping. Maybe they're not actually gone. You get it? He thought himself like a Bainani who was constantly in that state of self. Our sages have said, Halavai, like if only men would daven all day, meaning the ideal state of being is to be in that state of higher self consciousness, of being a self leader, of being that good mother who, in the life of a Bainani, is not somebody who cancels out all their parts, but who sees them for what they are, but maintains her responsibility and her competence and her consciousness really it's consciousness and breath and like aliveness and okayness <laughs> that her children say you know what you can lead the show you can lead the show and not only you can lead the show will in the life of abandony the animal soul actually gives you the strength to do all the amazing things that we do in our lives in a space that Bali Shuba stand, even Sadikim can't stand, because the, the like that horse that Elsa rode, she was even able to go faster because of the horse, right? So our children aren't here against us. <laughs> They're really, really not. And if you are in that spiral, just notice that you're able to look at your children and say, hi, I see you. I'm not mad that you're here. I'm not, even if you're in pain, even if you're hurting me right now, even if you are... I'm not my, it doesn't mean that I'm going to let you be my only voice of consciousness. It doesn't mean that I'm going to let you become my sense of self. It doesn't mean that I'm going to choose to live my life through the lens that you're seeing things right now. I'm the mother. I'm the one that gets to decide how I live my life. 
but I'm not mad that you showed up today and I'm going to hold you and hug you and help you reveal your inner truth, which always, literally always is. In a physical world, the children are generally crying because they want to be close to mommy. They just want connection. And our inner children are also like that. They just want connection to Hashem, to the truth of life, which is love. So, l'chaim. L'chaim, l'chaim. Thank you.